Welcome in to another episode of the College Sports Hive. It's been a while. I'm Leaf Tulin, your host of the College Sports Hive. I think this is the first episode of 2022, and it's March, which means it's the best time of the year. I can't wait. Uh, I listened to One Shiny Moment three times on March 1st. It's March 3rd today, and I will be listening to One Shiny Moment again, I'm sure, at some point today. Basketball's getting better it's starting to get warm. I'm going to March Madness this year in San Diego. Can't wait. But what I thought I'd do today was to talk about who I thought could win March Madness, but instead of saying why they'll win March Madness, I'm going to tell you why those teams won't win March Madness and win the national championship. I, I'm i just going to go through the standings as as they're, they're seated today. I'm sure these will change. We just had the most crazy weekend where seven of the top 10 teams lost, but their standings go as follows. Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, who jumped from 10th to 3rd, Duke, Auburn, Kansas, Kentucky, Purdue, Providence, Wisconsin. That's the top 10. Villanova, Texas Tech, Tennessee, Arkansas, Houston, and then there's a few teams that I'll get to that are not in that top 15 that I just read out to you uh, about why I think that they could have a shot, but I'll tell you, like I mentioned, why they won't win. And this will be interesting. Obviously, one of these teams, or probably one of these teams, will win. I don't think anyone outside the top 25 is going to win the championship, but I honestly would be very here for it. Um, but yeah, let, let's let's begin. Let's start at the top with Gonzaga. Gonzaga was everyone's presumptive uh, championship favorite, and I don't see any fault with that. Gonzaga's 24-3, and 24-3, and 13-1 conference play. They just lost to St. Mary's. Uh, they're 16-0 and 0 at home, 5-1 and 1 on the road. That's kind of wild that they've only played six road games, to be honest. Um, that's all good and well. They have two good losses, and honestly, St. Mary's a good team, too, so three good losses. Uh, Gonzaga is number one in Ken Palm, third on offense, and sixth on defense. Typically, a pretty safe recipe is to be top 10 in both. Top 20, I think, is the parameters that almost every Final Four team is. Uh, top 20 in both offense and defense. Gonzaga is top six in both. Certainly a good recipe. Uh, they, I saw something yesterday that 38% of people chose Gonzaga as their favorite to win the national championship. That seems pretty high that it, it, one team would get more than a third of the votes. Um, but that said, Gonzaga is the favorite. But I'll tell you what, and, and I'm not saying that they won't win. I just want to clarify this. I'm telling you why each top team will not win as, as an exercise of thought, more so than telling you that they will not win. Um, Gonzaga. Faults I have with Gonzaga. Last year's Gonzaga team was a special team. And what did they thrive in? They were older. They played fast. They had a lot of the same players. Obviously, you got Chet Holmgren, who could be the number one pick. Um, and he's replacing Jalen Suggs. I mean, that's, that's a narrative. Um, the reality of it is they lost more than just Jalen Suggs and replaced him uh, with more than just Chet Holmgren. Corey Kispert left, Joel Ayayi, and Julian Strother has been really good, but Joel Ayayi was probably better. I think Jalen Suggs was a better college player than Chet Holmgren. But, you know, this year's uh, Gonzaga team would probably have been the third best, maybe the fourth best team in college basketball last year. I think Baylor was the best team because I was the second best team, Michigan and Illinois, three and four. Um, this year it's more wide open, so you don't have to reach those levels of perfection that that team was so close to doing. What I will say about Gonzaga is their pace is awesome. Their defense creates that pace. They force a lot of turnovers. But 
I think what they need to do is work. They shoot the ball and they shoot around 38%. And that's one of the better percentages in the entire country. So that's not exactly the, the easiest thing to say that they need to work on. But what I will say is that Chet Holmgren and um, some of their placements for Jalen Suggs, what Jalen Suggs did is he was able to push the pace for Gonzaga teams unlike any other guard they'd had prior. They played fast because they played excellently together. They played through forwards. They played through Europeans, DeMontis Sabonis, Shemek Karnowski. Then they had Rui Hachimura, Brandon Clark, and that was a more athletic team. Uh, they had a guard who could be supplementary to the guy who's the true point guard and Andrew Nemhard, who is there, and he may be the best point guard in the country. And now they're, they're playing through two bigs. Chet Holmgren is shooting better. He's playing very well. Drew Timmy's the, the mainstay in the post. But I would say that their shooting consistency comes from two places, and that's Rashir Bolton, transfer from Iowa State, and he's been awesome, and Julian Strother, both of whom have lower release points. So I worry about longer teams that can handle Timmy one-on-one. They don't need to double and create this uh, swing, and a team that doesn't turn the ball over and doesn't allow Gonzaga to get out and run because they're deadly on the run. Uh, shooting, shooting concerns me a little bit because Chow Holmgren, while he can shoot, I think you live with him shooting. Uh, threes and you and you can hedge in a little bit or you can um and that brings a taller player to timmy makes it harder for him to pass out of it and that's what's called a monster trap and then i think teams like duke we saw this in the regular season i would love a rematch um mark williams could defend timmy and really fluster him and i think while andrew nemhart is a phenomenal playmaker He's not the greatest gifted scorer himself. Julian Strother typically scores off um, ball movement and slashing, attacking closeouts, shooting threes off closeout. Rashir Bolton's the same way. He shoots off three, uh, catch and shoot. And Chet Holmgren's not an isolation talent. So Drew Timmy's off. That is a concern for me. And I would say shooting, despite being 38% from three, 22nd in the country at 37.8%, I would say they're not as good a shooting team as last year. And... Uh, one other thing about their shooting is their free throw shooting concerns me as Chet Holmgren's their best free throw shooter at 75%. Typically, you want some of your guards to be your better shooters. That worries me a little bit, but um, that is certainly a contender. Th- those are fringe worries, and when you're top 10 in both efficiencies in Ken Palm, uh, I, I don't have too much to pick a bone with you. Teams could try to slow them down, but I don't know if that would work either. Um, they're fourth in adjusted tempo as well. So let's go from... Number one to number two, and this guy hails from Gonzaga. That's Tommy Lloyd at Arizona. Arizona has probably been the shock of the year. I thought they'd be better than most people, but I had no idea they were second best team in the country, maybe best team in the country good, and that's what they've been. Arizona is 16-2 and in conference play. They're 26-3 overall, 15-0 and at home, and 9-3 and on the road. Uh, according to Ken Palm, they're third overall. 8th on offense, 13th on defense, a similar recipe to that of Gonzaga. And I think they may play their best A game of anyone in the country. What that means is when they're on, they're on. Like, they played USC. USC is is 16th in the poll. And they played USC on March 1st. And they ran them out of the Galen Center, which is USC's home floor. USC is one of the biggest teams in the country. They don't allow you to rebound. They play phenomenal defense. And Arizona had them beaten by 30 at half, and it could have been worse. Uh, They were getting dunks upon dunks, stops whenever they wanted them, shooting threes. You may say, oh, what are you going to pick a bone with here? And I'll tell you what my my concern is for Arizona. I have two of them. One, and I think this is an irrational concern, but it's one I want to state, is that Tommy Lloyd has never been a head coach in 
um, a tournament. He's been to a lot of tournaments, made a lot of deep runs under Mark Few. Managing it that way is something that you may worry about because none of these players, other than Umar Balo, who was on the bench at Gonzaga last year, uh, have made, made any headway in the tournament because Arizona didn't play in the tournament last year. Secondly, and probably more importantly, my worry was with Kerr Kreisa. And I've talked to people about this, and people think I'm crazy for it because Kerr Kreisa is a really, really good player. He shoots the ball. He had a triple-double against Utah, and that was the first one since Andre Iguodala. Kirk Kreisa scores 11 points a game, uh, five assists, nearly three boards, and he's just uh, energetic. Like He's kind of the heartbeat of that team. Why, why would I pick a concern with him? It's that he's inconsistent. I think when he's hot, the team is unbelievable. That's what I say contributes to their A game. Um, that when, when he gets going, they're, they're impossible to stop. But there have been games where he makes errors and his passion goes from uh, a point of, okay, this is great, he plays really hard, to a this concerns me from a, a standpoint of rooting for Arizona because uh, he'll make errors. And that's you can have that on your team, but you typically don't want that to be your point guard. And that puts a lot of pressure on Dalen Terry to me to be a secondary uh, playmaker and orchestrate the offense because their offense is beautiful. They get as, as many open cuts as they want, as, as any team that will, in the country, Dalen Terry gets back cuts. Um, Benedict Matherin, who's their best player, gets open threes. Matherin is 17 points a game on 47% shooting, six rebounds, two and a half assists. Um, Tubelis is their second leading scorer and probably their f- third or fourth best player. It's, it's a loaded team. But when your point guard isn't your most steady player, that concerns me a little bit just because um, guard play is so instrumental to winning in March. And um, that's why I took Baylor last year all year. They had three incredible guards, and that didn't even count Adam Flagler, who I'll be getting to in a moment because Baylor is that good. But you know that that's a team. That's a team that I I definitely not want to face. They're excellent offensively, thirteenth defensively. Arizona also rebounds the ball very well because they can play big lineups. They erase shots at the rim. They've got Christian Coloco, Umar Balo, and Azulas Tubelas, and they rotate two of the three in at the same time. They shoot the ball pretty well. Um, I think my concern really lies on the feet of Kirk Risa. I think if Kirk Risa can can mentally stay at a at a steady level, this team is as good as any in the country. And I would love to see them match up with some teams like Duke. I would love to see a matchup between Gonzaga and Arizona, especially in the West. I mean, they, they both they're both going to be one seeds. I'm like ninety percent sure. But I would love to see them match up in a regional final um, and see the predecessor. But you know what? I'll settle for a national championship between those two as well. Very possible. Harder to pick a bone with these top teams. You'll see more flaws for some of the teams coming up. Um, But Arizona's got good depth as well. They've got Pella Larson, Umar Balo, and Justin Kyer coming off the bench, all of whom play around 20 minutes. And that's that's impressive. That's that's eight-man deep rotation. Arizona... Is good defensively, scores the ball, just the experience of the team. No one's made a deep run that has played substantial minutes. They're a relatively young team anyway. Coach hasn't made a run, and their point guard is their most um, erratic behavior player. Like, you know, typically you've, you've seen some bad boys provide spirit to teams. An example I'll use is, is Mark Vidal. I think he he occasionally would get in trouble with with uh, just unbelievable energy, and then he'd get frustrated. But that team had five players that were more steady than him, 
and he provides and, and he was not even a an irrational performer. I was just talking about the last national champion. Every team's got an energy guy, and typically the point guard is the most steady. That is a concern of mine, but I don't know how much fruit it bears until we get there. And, and maybe I'll be like, oh, I told you so. And maybe I'll be like, oh, well, luckily that was a lame excuse. But we'll see. Number three, and I just mentioned them, that's the Baylor Bears. Uh, Baylor jumped from 10th to 3rd, and I don't think any team's been more topsy-turvy that is a top 10 team in the country than Baylor this year. And a lot of that has to do with injury. Baylor had um, Jonathan Chamwa Chachua go down. He's missing the rest of the year. They've had LJ Cryer, and who knows when LJ Cryer's back. He's been out for quite a while. And once they initially lost LJ Cryer, they were also without James Akinjo, and they started to show real weaknesses. This is a team that started 15-0, and and people were like, wow, they're going to go back-to-back and maybe undefeated. And while the undefeated claim was not necessarily rational, the, the team really looked incredible. And I think part of that was Kendall Brown's emergence early on. I think he's been scouted now. He's a known commodity. People know how to handle him. But that said, he's an incredible energy piece. And Baylor's got a really good team. Baylor is 25-5, and 13-4 in conference. They clinched a share. Or if they win, they win against Iowa State. They clinch a share, at least a share, maybe even sole possession of a, another Big 12 title. They're 14-2 at, at home, 8-3 and three on the road. Uh, this team, to me, has a few weaknesses that concern me, but I think Scott Drew is a phenomenal coach and very well could lead this team to another Final Four, maybe a national championship. Their weaknesses, in my eyes, are consistency from the point guard spot, and I, this will be a repeating theme. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm not a big James Akinjo guy. never have been. don't think I ever will be. He started out this season phenomenally. He got injured, played through some injury, and that's when Baylor started to dip. Uh, my question is, in close games, who do they play through? And if it's James Akinjo, I worry, because he's been good in a couple of them, but there's been a couple times where, in fact, their first loss, um, they lost to Oklahoma State, I believe, and James Akinjo dribbled out the clock mostly. James Akinjo has had some shooting woes of late. Um, I'm picking, I'm, I'm cherry picking, of course, because you know every good team is going to have some some good performances. James Akinjo, though, is only shooting 39 percent from the field, and I'd be willing to bet. I don't have the stats in front of me right now that he's has really suffered the past month and a half, and that's not the time you want to be suffering in terms of efficiency. But he's a veteran player, and they've got awesome guards elsewhere. And that's Adam Flagler as their lead scorer at 14 a game. Shoots the lights out. One of my favorite players in the country. LJ Cryer was their leading scorer prior to getting injured. If LJ Cryer can come back, he's missed the last eight games, I think. Um, last 11 games, actually. Uh, if LJ Cryer can come back, this team it may be my national champion favorite because they'll have three very experienced guards. Um, Kendall Brown, freak athlete as the three. The emergency of, um, emergence of Jeremy Suhan as a playmaking 4-5 man along with Flo Thamba and Matthew Meyer. That's six, seven players that you, you just can't find elsewhere, that accumulation of talent. But um, consistency of point guard play and consistency of shooting, uh, if LJ Cryer does not come back, only uh, Adam Flegler is a consistent shooter. And that concerns me. And I think this is a team that you've noticed in big 12 play that they got blitzed by Kansas. And this is when the injury woes started to happen. This was the first game, I think without LJ Cryer. And I think, um, Flagler may have been limited in that one too, but with this, with the emergence of Suhan as a playmaking five, uh, really athletic plays, defensive, 
um, basketball and then offensively he can orchestrate. They've got another player who can score and create baskets. I think it really boils down to, is that too much of a, of a weight to bear for a freshman who's playing off the bench and can their point guard play and shooting sustain potentially playing without uh, one of their best players in LJ Cryer. And this is a team that lost Jonathan Chamochachua, who was their heart of their defense. Flo Thon was awesome, but Chamochachua added another element. He was their most efficient scorer, lead rebounder, I believe. And yeah, lead rebounder. And he was just a, a phenomenal athlete, something that Flo Thamba isn't quite as raw of an athlete as, uh, as was Jonathan Chamochachua. Another team that I really, you can't pick too many flaws with their 25 and five dealt with a slew of injuries and they're trending in the right direction. I'd be, I'll be curious to watch them in the big 12 tournament and, you know, I'll get back to you and see if I have any corrections from my own assessment. Number four in the country. And this is where I think I'm going to start to find some holes once I get past four. Number four is Duke. And this is, I think the most talented team in the country. Duke is 26 and four. They're 16 and three in the ACC, 15 at two at home, nine and two on the road. Uh, according to Ken Palm, Duke is fifth overall, fifth on offense, 19th on defense. That fits the parameters of most final four billings of top 20 in each category. Duke has an enormous team that should rebound very well. A lot of their issues stem from inconsistency, rebounding, and defensive effort. I think you could, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to find a team that doesn't try hard in the NCAA tournament. So I'm not even going to list that as like a real concern because they should be able to rebound. They have all the ability to rebound. They have all the ability to defend. Uh, they they employ a lineup fairly frequently that goes like this. Trevor Keels, 6'5", and he's he's built like a football player. You hear Jay Billis say it every time. Uh, he's like 6'5", 220 as a true freshman. Uh, A.J. Griffin, 6'6", 225, sharpshooter, freshman as well. Then they go with Wendell Moore Jr., who's a junior. He's six six foot six. 210 pounds, plays their one in this lineup. Paolo Bancaro, 6'10", 250, possible number one overall pick. And then Mark Williams, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, although shout-out Reese Beekman, I really think he could have a claim at this. But uh, Mark Williams is the most impactful defender in the ACC. He's 7'1", with a 7'7", wingspan. He rejects shots. This team is loaded. They have some experience off the bench and Theo John, Joey Baker, both of whom have played in uh, a couple tournaments. And then they've got Jeremy Roach, who's been really trending the right trajectory. And I think he's might be their X factor, him and Wendell Moore. The reason I say they're the X factor is the weakness I see is consistent point guard play. Who is going to orchestrate their offense? Because at times when Duke has lost or has looked vulnerable, it is that they get stagnant offensively and they don't know who is going to take over, and they don't know who should be getting shots. Uh, often this doesn't matter because, like I said, they're 26-4. and four. The ACC's down. They haven't had to play as many good games. But in a couple games, you've noticed Paolo Bancaro, who is supposed to be their guy and is a very good player, he gets tentative. He catches the ball, and you're like, man, you're 6'10", 250, go to the rim, um, figure out what to do. Against Florida State, they denied him the ball, and they couldn't enter him the ball. They didn't find any intuitive ways to get him the ball. And I, I think you want to have a guard that is very capable of finding him. And I don't think Wendell Moore Jr. is quite a point guard. And I don't think Jeremy Roach is necessarily there yet as an orchestrator either. That is my, my flaw with Duke. I think shooting-wise, they're a pretty good team. They're 37.5% from three. 
Uh, that said, I think you you can live with a, most of their players shooting. A.J. Griffin Jr. is the one guy I say run him off the line no matter what. Wendell Moore Jr. shoots 40% from three, so you'd rather run him off. But then Trevor Keels, Jeremy Roach, Paolo Bancaro, I, I'll live with them shooting. I think my worries for them mostly stem with dealing with the pressure of Coach K's last ride, consistent point guard play. And then what do they do when the games get tight? Because they haven't played that many t- tight games, and when they have, I've been less than thrilled with them. Uh, they played a great game against Gonzaga, and they beat Kentucky. Those are two of the best wins in the country. But those are early on. Teams have grown since then, as have Duke. But I haven't seen offensive sets really impress me against Virginia, the one they won at uh, John Paul Jones Arena. Uh, A.J. Griffin took over late. Is there an ego issue with this team where Paolo Bancaro thinks he's the man and he wants to take over late? A.J. Griffin was super efficient, but that was a one-time thing. And the f- previous time against Virginia in Cameron Indoor Stadium, uh, Ben Carroll had nine shots at halftime, was guarded mostly by Armand Franklin, a little bit by Jaden Gardner. Armand Franklin is 6'5", and uh, Ben Carroll only got, I think he shot zero shots the second half and didn't score, obviously, and barely impacted the game. Florida State took him away a bit at times. How do they orchestrate their offense when he's taken away as the top of the scouting report? And then defensively, I think they'll try. Like that, I think that's the thing is if they try and if they shoot well, then they should be good. That's a terrifying team to match up with and a team with a lot of pressure, though, um, due to Coach K's last hurrah. Number five, this is where I think it starts to get interesting, and I've got some significant holes to poke with this team, uh, whereas the others I've been cherry-picking. Number five, Auburn. Auburn was number one, was number two for most of this this season, honestly. They're 26-4, and four, same as due. 14-3 and three in conference play in a better conference, 15-0 and 0 at home, Eight and zero, eight and three on the road. Auburn, according to Ken Palm, is seventh overall, twentieth on offense, and seventh on defense. Just getting within the final four parameters that are unofficially set at twenty and twenty in the top uh, in offense and defense. That said, Auburn has looked very vulnerable of late. Auburn has one specimen of a player in Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith's efficiency has been otherworldly of late. He's averaging about 25 points a game on like 60% shooting and uh, and shooting the lights out from three. But he's your power forward. And, you know, honestly, he shot 13 shots last game in a, a game where they went to overtime against Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a bubble team. And that's not one a game that you necessarily want to lose. They're 8-9 in conference play, Mississippi State, 17-13 and 13 overall. Granted, a pretty good home team. Uh, I'll get to my issues. Jabari Smith is, is not the issue, but the issue is that no one but Jabari Smith in their past 7, 10 games has played well. And Auburn is only 4, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4. Yeah, 4-3 four and three in their last 7 games. They've lost to, at Arkansas, who is a very hot team. That's an understandable loss. At Florida, they haven't beaten Florida in, in, since 1995 in the Swamp, and then at Tennessee. Uh, none of those losses are horrible, but what I will say is you want to win at least one of those, maybe two of those if you're going to be a true contender. And the way they lost them is what bothered me, is, is they had a lot of turnovers. They The only person who could manufacture points was Jabari Smith, and they were all in isolation shooting a lot of jump shots. If he has one bad game, who's going to pick up the scoring? You'd say pretty naturally, oh, KD Johnson can because he can really score. He can light up. And that, while that's true, he's an inefficient scorer. Uh, Wendell Green Jr. is a 
Uh, he's a very good point guard um, early on, but I think the scouting has caught up to him. He plays with incredible pace, and he can facilitate at a high level. But he shoots some shots that really make you scratch your head. And at the end of games, the reason they've lost a couple of these at the end of the game against Florida, they needed the ball in the hands of Jabari Smith. He didn't get the ball. Against Arkansas, same thing. Jabari Smith was phenomenal in both those games. Against Vanderbilt earlier in that week, he had 31 points and on 13 shots, I want to say. And then the next game against Florida, Jabari Smith was 7 of 16 with 28 points, and he was 4 of 5 from 3. If, if you can't manufacture those type of numbers, which are just so hard to say, okay, I want my true freshman 18-year-old to do that in a tournament for seven, uh, six, seven games, I and especially considering they want to make a deep run in the SEC, I just think that it's it's hard. It's, it's not something you can do frequently, and I think he needs some help. And a lot of these games that they have lost, Wendell Green Jr. has really struggled. He shot 0 of 5 against Florida, 2 of 10 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3 that was, 5 assists, 3 turnovers. Their pace um, offensively, their, their defense manufactures their best offense, and that is something that I think will will allow them to make a substantial run. But their guard play and lack of three-point shooting, other than Jabari Smith, their best three-point shooting uh, shooting player doesn't play. Like uh, If you look at their roster and you look at the statistics of their team, their three-point shooting numbers are very poor outside of Jabari Smith. And that's something that concerns me because you know he's the top of the scouting part, and he has been for a while, so it's not the worst thing. But they're 269th in the nation in three-point shooting percentage at 32%. That's really, really poor, and that's something that will certainly concern me. If you look at their numbers here, um, in terms of their catch-and-shoot ability, uh, spot-up shooting, the team is 25th percentile. Jabari Smith ranks as excellent. Katie Johnson below average. This is per Synergy Sports. Wendell Green uh, Jr. is 46%, which is average. Devon Cambridge, 5%. Uh, per, this is percentile, I should say. 5th uh, percentile. Jalen Williams, 41st percentile. Alan Flanagan, ninth percentile. Walker Kessler, who's their five-man. I'll get to him in a moment because he's phenomenal. Uh, 29th percentile. Zeb Jasper, their starting point guard, 39th percentile. And Lior Berman, who does not play for them very often, is 78th percentile. Very good. So I went through their entire roster that has played and has shot threes. Dylan Cardwell does play. Um, but he does not shoot threes, and they've only got one player that does not play that is above average, according to Synergy Sports at the shooting. So inconsistent guard play of late, lots of turnovers. Their best offense comes in force, from forcing turnovers. That's not a great recipe in my mind, though they have who may be the best player in the in the country in Jabari Smith. And the other concern I have for them is when Walker Kessler is in the game, Teams do not want to drive against them. And like I said, their defense is their best offense. That is phenomenal, and he is great. That said, you run into an issue is when he's off the court. If he runs into foul trouble, Dylan Cardwell is more than a capable backup. But when your best offense is stemmed from that the other team can't attack the rim and you can get out in passing lanes, well, when he's not in the game, that doesn't hold true anymore. And you're seeing teams learn to be more careful with the ball against Auburn. You're seeing teams pump fake, jump stop, get him and get him up in the air. And so that's that's something. He's got to walk on eggshells and, and stay out of foul trouble to allow Auburn the best chance to win. I really love Jabari Smith. So I'm hoping for the best for Auburn. But I have I have kind of hopped off the Auburn bandwagon of late. All righty. New team. We've got the number six team in the country. And that is Kansas. Kansas is an interesting one. 
And I'll give you their background here. They're 23 and six. They were the leaders in the clubhouse in the Big 12 until losing to Baylor and TCU back to back. And now they're they've got some ground to catch up. They could still get a share of the t- uh, of the title, um, but they'll need some help, and they need to win their games. Uh, they're 14 at one at home, which of course they are Fog Allen Fieldhouse, but they're only six and four away, and 12 and four in conference play, uh, according to Ken Palm. Kansas is ninth overall, fourth on offense, and 40th on defense. That does not meet the parameters of 20 and 20. Um, their defense, I would say, is good. And by my eyes, it's it's good because they've got a lot of long athletes. But I don't think David McCormick's a great interior anchor, and I think that's what they lack uh, because they've got good athletes and pretty good ball pressure. Uh, where my main concern with them is is that they don't have the most dominant interior. Uh, Dave McCormick is a really good offensive rebounder, but it, you don't want him to be your focal point offensively. That's how they score on the interior other than when they run. But my, my real issue with Kansas lies is point guard play. Dewan Harris is a good, good go through the motions, take care of the ball, and play good defense point guard. But he has no threat to score. And like I mentioned, when they get the ball inside – uh, you can help off of Harris and Ochai Baj and Christian Brown, neither of whom uh, I would have too many faults with. But if I did have a fault with both of them, it's that neither of them are isolation scores. And when you can help off of the point guard, who is not necessarily a huge threat to score regardless, and then you can uh, not worry terribly much about their big is that you can really scheme to try to take both of them out of the game. Those are the best two players. Ochag Baji is an all American. Love him as a prospect for the NBA shoots the lights out, but he's not a great isolation player. Christian Brown premeditates most of his moves and shout out to Mavs draft for that notice. Uh, he noticed that first and Christian Brown and Agbaji thrive in transition. Kansas thrives in transition but they've got to get there first. And I think if teams slow them down, it becomes a little more problematic. Some good defensive teams jump on Agbaji and Brown, make them uh, create their own shots. And if Remy Martin comes in, people say, oh, he's the big 12 uh, player of the year coming in. I thought that was laughable, first of all. Um, But, you know, he hasn't been all right all year. Why would you insert him right before March Madness? Um, That's something I wouldn't do, even though he is more of a threat to score than Dewan Harris. Um, And this team's depth is okay. But, you know, it's not what I would expect of a Kansas team. So I've got some flaws for them, uh, with them. And one more thing I'll say about Kansas is if you get one bad game from Agbaji, um, you really need Jalen Wilson in general, not even if you get a bad game from J- uh, Ochai Agbaji. Uh, Jalen Wilson's their X factor. I think if he's able to individually create for himself, he's kind of their mismatch 6'8", power forward, really thrives in transition as well, and he's got to be able to create for himself in isolation situations. Um, but if Ochai Baji has some bad games, can Christian Brown carry the load? Can Jalen Wilson carry the load? Can David McCormick be a big presence on the interior? These are all questions I have with Kansas. And then defensively, they're ranked 40th, according to Ken Palm. And I don't think that is necessarily they're the 40th best defensive team in the country. I think they're probably a little better than that, according to my eyes. But they're not overwhelmingly good defensively like they have been in years past, like uh, when they had Udoka as a buki in that year that got canceled, and Kansas was probably the presumptive favorites. On to number seven, and this is a team that blew out Kansas, actually, in Kentucky. Kentucky, I read an article today, and it was from anonymous scouts and and our coaches in the uh, 
in the SEC. And they said, Kentucky's the best team in the SEC. And that was their statement. They talked about what made Kentucky good. I'll tell you what makes them good. They got the probable national player of the year in Oscar Shibwe, who is a double-double machine. He's averaging the uh, nation leading 15-plus rebounds per game, scores about 18 points a game as well. Um, and then they've got a lot of really good players that fit together. Uh, what concerns me for Kentucky? Health. Their best playmaker – and what really makes them special, in my opinion, is freshman guard Ty Ty Washington. He's a great pick-and-roll player. He's a pick-and-roll savant. Gets to his jump shot, shoots floaters, dumps to Shibwe, gives the short rolls to Shibwe, to Keon Brooks. He's been na- battling with nagging injuries all year. All year. And they're starting to look like they're slowing him down. Uh, and then Savir Wheeler, who's their other point guard, uh, he's been dealing with injuries as well. Phenomenal defender, good facilitator and uh, can score. Not a great shooter. You sag off. That concerns me a little bit. Um, but he, he's impactful. He's hugely impactful. And they've got the depth to make it like appear like, oh, okay, Kentucky will be okay. But that does concern me quite a bit when your two guards are injured and now you're playing through bigs and players that aren't necessarily used to handling the ball and you've got to win six consecutive games. Uh, I didn't give you the numbers for Kentucky, so I'll do that now. 26, 24-6, 18-0 at Rupp Arena, 5-5 five five on the road, 13-4 in conference play. And according to Ken Palm, they're very good. They are t- uh, fourth overall, second offensively, and 22nd defensively. I understand that it's just outside of um, the numbers. I think they'll get to top 20 defensively, and that would be a team I would say that's that fits the parameters. Um, even though uh, officially it doesn't really fit the parameters of 20 and 20 that a lot of people really like to go by. Uh, They play at a middling pace, and I think they can play faster or slower, and I think that's an important thing come madness when you play a lot of different teams. You can adjust and be successful. One thing that concerns me about Kentucky that I didn't mention, it doesn't matter because of the health of these guards. Neither Ty Ty Washington nor Xavier Wheeler are great shooters. Uh, they do have a great shooter. His name's Kellen Grady, but that is their only great shooter. I'll live with the other players on their team shooting threes. Davion Mintz off the bench is a very good shooter. But of their starting five, I, I only one of them really frightens me as a shooter. And typically, you want to have more shooters, but they get so many rebounds. That, that, is where, that is where they really make their name, is when you can rebound as effectively as Kentucky does, where they're eighth in the country in rebounds and offensive rebounds, they're... Uh, they're 12th of 13 offensive rebounds a game. They get more possessions. They don't turn the ball over that much. They've got good guards. This is a team I really think can be a Final Four contender if Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler are healthy. Um, on to the next team. This is Purdue. At the moment, it is Purdue. Uh, Purdue, I'm sorry. I love Matt Painter. I, I, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I love Matt Painter. I think he's one of the best offensive minds in the country, but I think there are too many flaws for them to be a true contender right now. And it pains me to say that because I wrote, I, I tweeted out before this year began and at the end of last year, before they Purdue lost in the first round, I said, wow, they got a lot of freshmen. They're a four seed this year. Watch out for them next year. Probable one seed, something along the lines of that. And I really believed it. Uh, and Zach Eady made a jump that I didn't even expect. So for me to say this now, I'm really disappointed Purdue is 24 and 6. They're 15 at 1 at Mackey. Um, that's their home home arena. 
they're 13 and 6 in conference play, and the Big Ten's tough, but so it doesn't look quite as good. But that still is lower than I'd like it to be. Five and five away from Mackey, and according to Ken Palm, Purdue is 13th. Purdue is the best offensive team in the country, according to Ken Palm, and the 100th best, right on the dot, defensively. That is that is not a close to fitting the parameters you want. Um, I'll put it this way. They can beat anyone because they can score. If they're on, they're on. Um, they play two bigs, but they play them separately, and they're both awesome, Zach Eady and Travion Williams. Travion Williams is more of a Biggie Swanigan mold, whereas Zach Eady fits the A.J. Hammonds or uh, Isaac Haas uh, mold where he's a skilled interior big. And Trayvon Williams is extremely skilled, great passer out of the post. But what I will say is both of those players interfere with what makes Purdue great if they were to play through traits, and that's Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey is a special, special talent, one of the best players in college basketball. I think will be a top-five pick. And he's unbelievable getting to the rim, but both of these players clog the paint. And they have good shooters. They've got Sasha Stefanovic, great shooter. Um, they've got a point guard play that isn't necessarily great. I think Thompson and Wheeler are competent players, but you, you would have hoped that Ivy was your point guard at this point, but he's not quite a point guard. And now you've got a guard that is off ball and he's not a phenomenal shooter commanding a ton of attention. And then Mason Gill is a great glue guy, shoots the ball pretty well, but he it's, he's a good shooter in the sense that he's the guy that they help off of. He's not like, Oh my God, it's Mason Gill shooting. We're going to, we're screwed. And if, and I think he could he could make make some shots and make you pay, uh, and they've got great depth. Purdue's got some of the best depth in the country, but defensively they can't guard ball screens. Um, their guys are too big, and I think that I think that the fact that they're so dead set with the rotation it really in, inhibits them from from exploring and finding new options that could really help them because they've got ten really good players and they've got a great they got a good rotation of players and this is a team. That offensively can beat you any time. But if they're not shooting well, if Jaden Ivey's having an off night, if Zach Eady's not dominating on the interior, they, they will get you in foul trouble, though. So you need to have some some sturdy and, and disciplined bigs to beat you. But if you've got an uh, athletic team that can get into Ivy, that can uh, cause havoc and pick and roll, you've got a very good shot at beating Purdue. And right now I don't have them as a contender. Which is sad to say because I really like Matt Painter. Number nine is Providence. Um I'm recording this on Thursday, March 3rd. Um, Providence just fell to Villanova. Providence claimed a Big East title, their first one, first for Ed Cooley. They're 24 and 4, 14 and 3 in their conference, 16 at 1 at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, 7 and 2 on the road. Awesome season, no one saw coming. Props to the fri- uh, the Friars of Providence. Um I don't think I'm alone in voicing my cynicism for for providence as contenders they've overachieved all year they've won a ton a ton of close games uh for their ken palms rankings i'll give those to you as well providence is actually i had to search for it there for a moment providence is 33rd um that's the lowest we've gone so far and this is the ninth best team in the country according to monday monday's ap poll uh they're thir- 28th on offense and 63rd on defense. And then I think there's a thing called luck on Ken Palm. And Providence is second to UNC Wilmington. And Providence is second, though. 
Um, I, I don't know how exactly how that's measured, but they have won an unbelievable amount of close games, which does bode well for your team. They're a veteran-laden team. They're, that's that's their strength. Their weakness, in my eyes, is I don't think Providence is a is a talented enough team to make it to win enough games. Like it's 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 kind of sounds bad because they're really good in terms of record. They've won close games. They're old. They've got good guard play. They've got pretty good interior play with Nate Watson. Um, Horkler hits some threes. Um, they've got a solid rotation, six, seven dudes that, that should play. They're veteran. They've got some uh, They've got some experience in the tournament. Ed Cooley's a good coach. They, they just don't wow you. They, they play too many close games, and I think once you get to that point, you it, it's more of a deterrent than something that, that I want to live by. Um, they've got an egalitarian offense. I think they do have a guy at the end of games. they got Al Durham, who they've nicknamed the closer. I think Jared Bynum's really emerging as well. That's pretty good guard play. Uh, they just don't have a ton of talent, um, and they shoot the ball fairly well, but there's, there's players I would leave on their team to shoot. You just don't want to leave Reeves open. A.J. Reeves can really shoot the ball, and uh, Bynum is really good off the dribble. Durham uh, shooting 33.6% from the field, um, but don't let that fool you. He's been really good at the end of games, and Nate Watson is who they play through in the middle, and they've got a really tough demeanor. They're not great at shooting free throws, and uh, their assists are, are not so great. Statistically, uh, for this one, I don't have a statistical, other than saying that they're ranked 33rd um, in Ken Palm, I don't have anything that I can really point to as like, this is why Providence can't compete for a title. I just don't think they have enough talent to win six consecutive games. Um, it sounds bad, but that's just the way I, I feel about them. I don't think their guards are quite good enough to carry you through in a way that like Shabazz Napier or Kemba could. Um, their bigs are solid and they try hard, but they're not dominant. And their wings, they've got one really good shooter in the rest of the team. I would i would live with them shooting. And Villanova uh, and Providence was a really good game this year. Um, both times, actually. Villanova shot really well and Providence's calling card is defense. Villanova shoots well anyway. But I, I just don't think Providence dominated the interior on a, on a smaller Villanova team. And I don't think they can shoot their way through a tournament. And it's just in a long, it's, it's a tough task to go win six games. And I don't think the team that has been winning super, super close games all year has enough to kind of get through six close games, which is what the feel I think they likely will have. But honestly, props to Ed, Ed Cooley and company. And I hope they prove me wrong. Wisconsin, why they won't win the tournament, I have a very solid answer to i think or um but i will say they're 24 and 5 and they're ranked 10th entering the big 10 as the preseason poll so i wasn't the only one who was wrong about them um they're 24 and 5 12 and 3 at the Kohl center 9 and 2 away from home which is really impressive 15 and 4 in conference play won the big 10 and wisconsin according to ken palm is ranked 24th overall 41st offensively 26th defensively um, similar to, uh, to Providence, I don't think they've got the guys to make a super deep run, but I've got a, a real answer as to a, a issue I see with their team. They're extremely reliant on Johnny Davis. Recently, they've been better at getting more uh, players uh, co- positively contributing to your team. But I will say, Johnny Davis is the heartbeat of that team. They, it, they, have, they have a really hard time winning without him being spectacular. 
And in a six-game setting, it's really hard for a guy to be spectacular six games in a row, or however many games in a row, however deep they go. Uh, Brad Davison is a good shooter. Chucky Hepburn's overperformed, but he's more of a scrappy guard that uh, you want him shooting. Tyler Wall's good on the interior. Stephen Crowell is a gutsy big, but it, it runs through Johnny Davis. And if he's not spectacular and they don't have great shooting and they're not enormous, it's, it's going to be hard for a team to win. One thing they do very well is they take care of the ball. They play at a slow pace. They play to their strengths better than almost any team in the country. I will say that. Um, they're really, really good at playing to their strengths, but I just, I just think this is another team that's associated with luck very strongly. According to Ken Palm, their luck rating, Wisconsin's fifth overall. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they get that, how, how legitimate that is, but you know, that means they've won a lot of close games. It's hard to play that, that way all the time. And man, if Johnny Davis isn't spectacular, it's hard to see Brad Davison, Tyler Wall, Chucky Hepburn leading this team to victory. 11, a team that plays similarly in pace, has a similar resume, Villanova. Villanova, I think, will be moving into the top 10 after this week. Uh, they're trending in the right direction. 22-7, and 15-4 in conference play, 12-1 at home, 8-5 and five on the road, which isn't very good, actually, their road record. Villanova's 12th overall in Ken Palm. They're 7th offensively and 38th defensively. And, yeah, that's where their issue lies is defense. This is a team that is veteran-laden, has Colin Gillespie at the most important position, and that's one of the best point guards in the country. Uh, they've got competent guards and forwards. They're just small. And Eric Dixon taking a huge leap as a five-man for them this year has been huge. This is a team that I was very skeptical of coming into the year because they were a five-seed last year, and they lost Jeremiah Robinson Earl to the pros, who was an awesome player, co uh He's shared the Big East Player of the Year award with Mamu Kelishvili and Gillespie. And he's gone, and this team's better than they were last year. So count me as the shocked committee. But I'm actually trending upwards on this team. But their weakness is defensively. Um, they're very solid. They don't make many errors. But they let you shoot. They let you shoot a little bit, and they're not huge. And they don't have overwhelming athletes. Offensively, I think they manufacture a lot of great shots, similar to most Jay Wright Villanova teams. They, they're pretty egalitarian scoring-wise. Gillespie's 16.5 a game. Justin Moore, 15.3. Jermaine Samuels, 10.1. Caleb Daniels, 10. Eric Dixon, 10. Brandon Slater, 9. That's their top six players right there. Um, and that's another issue. Is they, they really play six guys. Injury, God forbid. Uh, injuries really would scare me with this team. They're veteran. They co they're coached very well. They're a team I'm trending upwards on, but I just don't think they have the horses to win a title. Um, there's only so much you can do with a really good point guard and that's, you know, the rest of the team is just solid. I think you need a couple excellent players and I don't think they have a bona fide NBA player on this team. Typically you need a couple of those to win a national championship. And that's what we're asking here. Um, one other thing is they, they interior Eric Dixon's made a big step offensively defensively. I think he's gotten better too, but they are 291st in block shots. They really don't prevent you from getting into the paint that often and assists wise they're actually pretty low they only average 12 assists per game they are very good at taking care of the ball themselves though um, averaging 10 so that's still a 1.2 uh, to 1 assist to turnover but you know they don't move the ball quite as well as they have in years past there they're a steady team one thing that is very good about Villanova though is they're the number one free throw sh shooting teams in the country this is that that bodes very well for them and 
I think I think the answer is really this, similar to Providence, similar to Wisconsin. They don't have quite of the horses, but I am higher on them in a tournament setting because they have more players and a more egalitarian approach. Uh, I also think that Jay Wright's just got an unbelievable knack for coaching up w- winning teams in the tournament. So this is a team I think can make the Elite Eight, maybe a Final Four, probably not that far. But I just don't think they have enough players to win six games. And they're not a good rebounding team. Uh, they're not a good uh, team from keeping you from the paint. And that concerns me enough to where I'm not on the Villanova National Championship team. But they are trending the right direction for me. Next up, we got 12. Uh, I'm going to take you through the top 15, as I mentioned. So we're getting close. Texas Tech. Texas Tech, we, I think we know their strengths. We know their weaknesses. Texas, Texas Tech is 23-7, and 18-0 at home. They're 12-5 uh, and five in conference play, but they're 3-6 and six on the road. That's not, that's not pretty. Texas Tech is actually 10th in Ken Palm, uh, 43rd offensively, 2nd defensively, so you can see their strength. They're excellent, excellent defensively, and they're a team I do not want to play by any means in a tournament setting. But I think this is going to be counterintuitive, but I think when Terrence Shannon Jr., who is probably their most talented player, plays, they start to defer, and the ball movement gets worse, and their offense becomes even sloppier. And that that concerns me if I'm Texas Tech. They just stop moving the ball. Uh, their best offensive player is Bryson Williams. They actually have six, seven players that score with from like 13 points with Bryson Williams um, down to like um, Adonis Arms about nine a game. They got a lot of players within that range, but none of them are offensively su- superior talents other than Terrence Shannon. When he's in the game, people – um, defer to him and then they become more inefficient they've also started playing worse down the stretch I, I don't think it's necessarily an indicator like oh god first round exit but they they haven't been great as of late they do have some good wins but yeah my my concern with texas tech lies with their offense and it's pretty simple they lost to texas uh tcu i should say um and then they eked out a game against kansas state um they've beaten baylor twice but I, I just don't I just don't love a team that isn't offensively pleasing and defensively they have to be so good every time. And defense travels, it gives you a chance every time. But I think when your best player makes your offense worse, uh I, I don't I don't buy into you as a as a contender. Alrighty. Next on the the standings, we got Tennessee. This is a team that's red hot, undefeated at home, much like Texas Tech. They've got a similar recipe to winning is texas tech and i am probably going to point to a similar issue for them but they do have a difference and it is a subtle difference they're 22 and 7 they're 13 and 4 in conference play 6 and 5 on the road tennessee's 11th in ken palm very similar to texas tech they're 49th on offense and third on defense as opposed to texas tech second on defense 43rd on offense so very similar recipe um tennessee has a very interesting team because they play three guards and that matters to me because they take care of the ball and they pressure the ball in the elite level. So I really do like that about Tennessee. They're excellent defensively, as you see, um, based off those stats, they're in contention for a unlikely to win, but in contention for the sec title, or at least a share of it. Um, they're not very pretty to watch offensively. I think shooting wise is that's their key for them. Can Santiago Vescovi, can Josiah Jordan James, Kennedy Chandler, Zakai Ziegler shoot the ball well? Um, they're 35% right now, which isn't great, isn't terrible. Uh, they shoot 43% from the field, which is really not very good. And they generate their best offense in transition. 
and that's something you got to force turnovers to do that. They're really good at that, though, um, and they're good at passing the ball. They've got a good win in Arizona. They've also beaten Auburn. They've beaten Kentucky. Um, that's a really impressive resume. They're trending in the right direction. Kennedy Chandler is a freshman, though, and that is their best creator of offense. That concerns me because he's never been there, and he's he's six foot. Um, it's hard to be that good as a freshman. You know, six foot creators that have carried teams to championships, you don't see that very often. He's a 13 and 13 and a half, 13.6 points per game, 45% from the field. He's really starting to play better. Vescovy shoots the ball. Josiah Jordan James is starting to shoot the ball a lot better. Zakai Ziegler is a point guard. He's sub six foot um, defensive pest, though. Um, Olivia Kamwa is hurt. Uh, that is something that I would love to monitor and see if he's available because that provides a lot of depth um, up front. And then they've got a sixth year, 25 year old, I want to say, John Fulkerson, Uros Plavsic, Brandon Hunley Hatfield, and Jonas Idu um, in the middle. So they've got a plethora of bodies, but they don't necessarily have a go to guy that is you know is proven and offensively their best offense comes from forcing turnovers it's hard to force that many turnovers consecutively and they thrive off of pace Um, but they're really trending in the right direction Tennessee is and that's a team that I think could make an elite eight run I just don't think they have quite the horses to be a championship contender and let's go to 14 this is a team that I think is the playing the best basketball of anyone in the country right now and that is Arkansas Arkansas Started this year really uh, poorly in SEC play. They're 13 and four now. Um, they've won a ton of games in a row. They're 24 and six overall. Uh, 13 and four in conference play, I should say. Um, 24 and six overall. 17 and two at Bud Walton Arena. Five and three in, on the road. Arkansas is ranked 19th in Ken Palm. They're 46th on offense, 15th on defense, and I think their offense is getting better. They've changed to play. They took out a 7-3 center, but yet they've gotten bigger. Jalen Williams is an amazing five. He's an undersized five. He's basically a point forward playing the five. And they've got a guard who may be one of the best scorers in the country. Well, he is one of the best scorers in the country. And he's one of the best Kemba candidates, meaning that he has the capacity to take over games better than just about anyone. And that's J.D. Note. He's a veteran. He's 23, 24 years old. And that really matters to me late. Auburn has won. Let's see. Let's count this up. Oh, wow. That's a lot of games, so I don't want to count that up. But they've won at least uh, five straight and I want to say 14 of their last 15 based off eyeballing their win chart. Um, they're really playing well. They've played what, – what I meant by them getting bigger is that they play J.D. Note, who's about 6'1", 6'2", and Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams is 6'9", 240, really strong, point forward, awesome player. Uh he, you saw him in the tournament when they made the Elite Eight last year. And then they play 3-6-6-2-25 guys. And that are they really good defensively, and they shoot the ball. They're 3-and-D guys. And uh, my concern for Auburn – I mean, not Auburn. Uh, my concern for Auburn is guard play. Uh, for Arkansas, it is not guard play. It is consistency shooting the ball from the other guys. And can Jalen Williams stay out of foul trouble banging against bigger guys? Because he is 6-9. He's a little undersized. And then – can if JD Note isn't shooting well, can they sustain one of those nights when he will be scouted for and they say, Well, Stanley Mude, can you beat us? Debo Davis, can you beat us? Uh I think the answer is that this team is is the top of you do not want to see on your bracket team. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country since the turn of the new year. And offensively, they're only becoming more efficient. They've got some awesome wins. They just beat Kentucky. They beat Tennessee. They beat Auburn. 
you know, those are, <laughs> those are pretty darn good wins right now. And that's, that they're trending in the right direction, but it's just, uh, you know, what, what can you do if your best player is not playing great? And typically these teams have a lot of NBA talent. Arkansas doesn't quite have that NBA talent. Jalen Williams is their only like true prospect. Um, JD Notte can really score the ball. Um, I think they're an elite eight team. I really do. I, I think I'm going to pick them there depending what the bracket is. Obviously that matters, but I just don't quite have them having enough gas to make it to the championship. Uh, tied for 14th on the AP poll, which is kind of funny, but 15th for our purposes is Houston. Houston made the final four last year. Kelvin Sampson has more of like a distinguished brand than just about anyone in college basketball, defense, rebound, and effort. They're 25 and four, 15 at one at home, seven and two on the road, 14 and two in conference play. Houston is analytically a darling. They're sixth overall in Ken Palm. They were this way last year too, and people scoffed at them, but I don't think the notion of scoffing is going to happen again this year. But I do think they have a flaw. They're all they're 10th offensively and 14th defensively. They fit the parameters of Final Four contenders. Their issue is that they lost what made them special last year. They lost Quentin Grimes to the draft, Dejon Giroux, um to the NBA as well uh, through an undrafted free agent. And then this year they had Mark Sasser, they had Tremont Mark, um, Caleb Mills transferred. Like they, they had a plethora of talent, and they've lost five really, really good players, um, some to injury and some to professional graduation. But you lose your dynamic player in Mark Sasser. You lose Tremont Mark, and now you're just getting contributions from a lot of guys, but it's thinned your depth. Um, they're plug-and-play at Houston, and they rebound exceptionally. It's one of the best rebound teams every single year. Houston Houston scores pretty well. They're really bad at shooting free throws, though, and that concerns me considering that they get a ton of rebounds. They, they put a lot of putbacks up and in. They're 321st in the country at shooting free throws. Uh, they're not a good three-point shooting team. They do pass the ball well, and they do take care of the ball well. They're um, eighth in the country in assist to turnover, and they block a lot of shots. But they don't have a guy that I think, oh, wow, they're really going to score. I think Kessler Edwards, who's been there, done that. He played in the championship game in 2019 for Texas Tech against Virginia. Fabian White Jr. is the best player in that conference. Um, he's a stretch four, kind of five man. He gets six boards, 13 points. Um, but, yeah, they, I, I think guard play is a concern of mine. Uh, Shed is a good guard, but he's not going to win you a game if you're down. And Carlton is similar to Fabian White, I think, just not quite the shooter. White is. He, he's extremely efficient. I just don't think they have the guys to win you a, a, a tournament because of the depth they've lost. And they're, it's just hard to play the style they play uh, with so much energy, energy being exerted and, uh, and all that effort. But when you, when you don't shoot, you lost Quentin Grimes and you lost Mark Sasser and you lost Tremont Mark. These are some awesome players, and I just don't think you have the guys to do it, and the shooting really concerns me because you can ha- shooting can really solve a lot of problems when you have energy and effort on the other end, but I don't think they have any shooters, um, and they're going to need a Herculean effort from Fabian White. And while I love Fabian White, this is a team that I think is Sweet 16 bound is kind of what I'm thinking right now. Could be Elite 8, but I'm leaning towards Sweet 16. Uh, that's your top 15. There's some teams I, I love in this. Um, I'll get to three more teams that I want to talk about as contenders or pretenders uh, or tell you why they won't win a national championship, which most teams beyond that rate ranking do not anyway, but I that I think could make some noise and madness, but I'll tell you once again why they're not winning. 
Illinois, I'll start with them just because they're they're the one I was looking at um, while I was looking at the rankings. They're ranked 20th. They're 20 and 8. They're 13 and 5 in conference play. 11 and 3 at home. 7 and 4 on the road. Illinois is ranked pretty well in Ken Palm. They're 16th in Ken Palm. 17th offensively. 33rd defensively. I'll tell you what they do well, and then I'll tell you why they're not going to win. What they do well is they got a behemoth and Kofi Coburn in the middle. They've got veterans around him. Um, Andre Curbelo's back, and that allows – he's kind of a wild card. But Trent Frazier's been awesome. He's a fifth year. He's been around. He's he's shooting really well. Alfonso Plummer can really shoot the ball. Jacob Grandison and DeMonte Williams are really good glue guys. And that's a great core to your team. The reason they're not going to win is they rely a ton on Alfonso Plummer's getting really hot. Um, Curbelo, while I love watching him play, doesn't necessarily work great with Trent Frazier because Frazier – is steady and Carbello is a wild card and it takes away from the, getting the ball into the middle, which is their emphasis. Get them all in the middle. If they don't double, Kofi's going to kill you. If they double, you're going to shoot the lights out. And I think Demonte Williams is a great glue guy, but you don't have to. You can double off of him. Same with Grandison. Both of them can shoot, but not to a point that really terrifies you. And uh, I, I think this is a soft excuse as to why I just don't think their ranking is going to get them. I think they'll be a four or five. It's going to be hard to win enough games against those teams that have the physical personnel to play with you that aren't dominated by Kofi uh, when you're ranked there. I, I think that you're going to play enough teams. Also, free throw shooting is really concerned because there's a tactic called Hack-A-Shack that's Hack-A-Kofi. It's gotten better at the free throw line. It's just, it's you know, it, it concerns you. There's potential ways around it. And uh, their defense isn't as good as it was last year. They lost Ayo Desumu. That That's a huge factor of that, but um defensively they've got some guys you can go out go at and that's alfonso Plummer, namely um and i think a lot of teams have some twos and and threes that'll take that advantage of that mismatch and then also if you play Curbelo, Plummer, and frazier frazier's an excellent defender but the other two are both diminutive and that's that's concerning despite having an anchor in the middle and kofi um one other team actually two other teams ucla they made the final four last year they entered this season as the second-ranked team in the country. They're 22 and six, 13 and one at Poly, eight and four on the road, 14 and five in conference play. UCLA is ranked eighth in Ken Palm, 15th offensively, 12th defensively. They fit the parameters, and they have the experience. But something just feels off about UCLA. They've dealt with a few injuries. Johnny Juzang is so like he's not necessarily the most selfish player, but he thinks every shot's a good shot, and I think sometimes it hurts the actual production of their offense. Jaime Hawkins is their X-Vector. He gets over a little bit of an ankle ankle sprain, um, and he provides a mismatch and energy that very few players can match. Um, he, and, some, and then they've got pretty good depth, and the emergence of Clark is really helping them. I think Tiger Campbell is their only facilitator. If Tiger Campbell goes down, they're really in trouble because he's their point guard and their heart of the team. And... Uh, Miles Johnson hasn't been as good as advertised from Rutgers. I thought that would really, really help them. Cody Riley's knocking down 15 footers. Um, they're hard to, they're hard to bully, but that's kind of their mo. They kind of bully you. They're physical. They've got guys that individually create. Jules Bernard and and uh, Johnny Juzang like to shoot the ball. They can shoot the ball pretty well. They're not a great shooting team, but yeah, they they've got some flaws that you can expose. That defensively. When Miles Johnson's not in the game, they don't protect the rim very well. When Miles Johnson's in the game, they space you out a little more. And uh, 
the one thing I really like is they've got an established point guard in, in Tiger Campbell. They're fourth in turnovers committed, fourth fewest, that is. 1.5 assisted turnover tied um, for eighth in that regard. Um, for a team with as much talent and chemistry as they should have playing the same guys that made the title, um, the Final Four and, and nearly made the title game, I should say, uh, their offense is not as good as I thought it would be. Um, it's still, obviously, according to Kemphal, they're doing pretty well. They got to get over some injuries and and shoot the ball well. But this is a team that I think could make some noise and madness. I the reason I don't think they'll win a title is that they're very very dependent on Tiger Campbell and Johnny Juzang shoots everything, and I don't think it bodes well for teams that have athletes that can guard him. Um, I think they're, you know, he got really hot last year, and obviously that really really helped them. Um, but their offense becomes stagnant and isolation heavy, and I think there's a lot of teams this year that have the physical attributes to guard UCLA better. And I don't think they're dominant athletes. They like to be the bullies rather than the team that's bullied. And I think there are some teams that physically could overwhelm them and their composure isn't quite that of what I think a team with the physical attributes of UCLA would have to be to overcome that deficiency. And the last team I'll talk about, and I do not think they're national championship contenders at all. But I've mentioned them all year as one of the most physically impressive teams that I thought could make a lot of trouble, so I might as well stick through with my thoughts. That's UConn. The Connecticut Huskies, they, they, every time they do well, they seem to lose a game afterwards that they shouldn't lose, and it's inexplicable. Uh, they're 21-8, and 12-6 and six in conference play, 13-2 and two at home, 5-5 five and five on the road. UConn is 20th in Ken Palm, 24th on offense, 35th on defense. What they do excellently is they rebound, and they got they got a lot, a lot of big dudes. Like Adama Sanogo in the middle. They've got Tyrese Martin and Andre Jackson, who are elite rebounders from the guard spots. RJ Cole is their leader, and they've got eight players that can play serviceably and, and really not lose in terms of physical traits and height and, and shooting. The reason they won't win is they're inconsistent. RJ Cole, if he's off at all, they really struggle. Um, they don't shoot the ball great. Adama Sanogo is a beast in the middle, but he's only 6'8". They rebound phenomenally, but defensively, they can be breached in the middle. Um, I read that off, and I actually was surprised they are as low as they were. They're 35th defensively. Um, they, their issue to me is consistency-based, so obviously motivation will be very high because win, win, and you move on, lose, you go home. Uh, they don't shoot the ball very well um, in the, in some games. Tyler Pauly really, really shoots the ball. In the middle, they block a lot of shots, but they get in foul trouble, and that's where I'm really concerned is I, I misspoke there. They, they they do defend the middle pretty well, but Adama Sanogo gets in foul trouble, and this team is in serious trouble. Isaiah Whaley's an excellent defender, um, and he's their four-man. Um, but when they lose Sanogo, and they, this has happened in a lot of games, Villanova got him in trouble two minutes into their first meeting, uh, I think Xavier did in their first meeting as well. This team really loses an, their offensive identity and their defensive anchor. Um, Sonogo is their pick and roll. They try to feed him in a lot of their sets, like sets out of timeouts. They're like, okay, let's let's swing the ball around and then bury, bury some poor guy fighting Sonogo because he's going to win in the position battle. And then he scores. Uh, if Sonogo gets in foul trouble, they really, really struggle. Uh, RJ Cole can shoot the ball. Uh, Tyrese Martin shooting the ball well from three, but he's streaky. Tyler Pauly is a really good shooter, but he's streaky. Andre Jackson, phenomenal, phenomenal athlete, must see TV in transition, but he can't shoot the ball very well. Hawkins, 
Um, Jordan Hawkins, that is awesome freshman talent, but he's, he's very inconsistent. He looks raw. And then their backup point guard playing Jalen Gaffney has been, um, subpar. So when RJ Cole leaves the game, they seem to lose their momentum and they lose leads frequently. And they only have a few shooters that I really worry about. And then the consistency on the interior and their consistency of intensity, uh, defensively and with an emphasis on, um, execution offensively worry me. Um, that's a team that I would not want to play because when they're on, they're really tough to beat. I've listed them as elite eight contenders all year. I think I'm slightly off of them now. Um, if you haven't watched it, watch Auburn and UConn at the battle for Atlantis. And that might be the best game I've seen all season. But, um, I will say I'm a little lower on UConn now, a little lower on Auburn now, but I said both of them before the season were elite eight contenders and they both still could be. Um, that's 18 teams I've mentioned. Obviously, only one team will win the championship. Will it come from the 18? Probably. But I've tried to list some flaws for each team, make you think about it. Um, I, I think I'm going to get another podcast in. I'm, I'm planning on talking with my guy, Marky Futures. That's Mark Cundiff. Um, he knows his stuff. I'll give a little madness preview. Both he and I had some really good brackets last year. And we'll, once the bracket comes out or just before, we're going to talk to you about our All-Americans and teams we think are going to win, not because why they're going to lose. And we'll give you some tiers, contenders, pretenders, tier one contenders, tier two contenders. And I hope you enjoy this. And I'm going to try talking about college basketball again because I love it. have been really busy and I want to get back talking about hoops with you guys. And let me know what you think. Tell me who you have as your sleeper. That's I'm going to put a poll up on Twitter. I want to hear what your sleeper is and how far you think one of these teams that you're going to put as your sleeper is, and then who do you think is the biggest pretender, um, top 10 team in the country that's going to lose first. Have a good one. This has been another episode of the College Sports Hive. I'm Leif Tulane, and I'm happy to be talking about some basketball, and it's March. Have a great day, you guys.